Well, I'm trying to acquaint them with uh, out of space things. Yeah. Other planets have culture, dances that are unusual, music, and that's what I'm trying to get the planet ready for space beings because they're sure to land soon. Godzilla joins the Peasants' Revolt, Jason King gets thoroughly hexed, and Mankind's Destiny is in the ivory tinkling hands of a jazz pharaoh, all on this 22nd Midnight Video, with your host me, Phil Walsh, and me, Jim Hall. Tonight, North Korea's original weapon of mass destruction hates greedy rich tyrants, but he sure lives chowing down on metal. We go on a righteous rampage with Pugasari. Peter Wingard seems to be the only rational man on a British campus riddled with the black arts. Can he survive? Night of the Eagle. And the space race takes on a whole new meaning, where musical fruitcake Sun Ra lays out his plans for the world of tomorrow, declaring that space is the place. Walshi! Hello, hello. How you doing? (laughs) Yeah, pretty good. Not too bad. We're in the middle of October. And it's boiling hot. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the whole mystique we've carefully crafted around Midnight Video, but it's blazing <laughs> sunshine outside, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's beyond a joke. It's just like the summer again, because walking past London Dungeon, it's that yeah. huge queue of um, people. <laughs> well, especially this time of year, because like I say, mid-October, it's getting close to um, Halloween. Which is why I was very surprised on the train in there was a man who'd strapped uh, a beer mat to his head. Sorry, a bar towel, not, <laughs> not a beer mat. <laughs> so he must have been surprised stumbling out of the pub at yeah. midday and um, <laughs> had to improvise something. But, like we say, it'll be Halloween in a couple of weeks and I've bought along a little treat. Ooh. I'm not sure if you'll be that interested. Oh, really? Especially because yeah. you told me you had a Caramac just before you started. Uh, <laughs> I did, yeah. But, um, is it a chocolate bar masquerading as a piece of caramel, or no? Vice versa. But um, I want you to be the um, the ear. Sorry, the ears. I want you to be the eyes and probably the mouth of the listeners <laughs> when I present. Oh, I had those last year. They're amazing. Mr. Kipling's wickedly good fiendish fancies. They're pretty much fondant fancies, but. All I could really tell, wow. I don't know what's so Halloweeny about them. Is it just the orange? The orange, uh, um, creating a pumpkin-like. They've got pumpkins on the cover. Get they? what I'll just get the uh, <laughs> get the box open. Oh, maybe there's some. Uh, maybe the white stuff is some kind of ectoplasm. <laughs> That's your answer to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty uniform. I wish Kipling was sponsoring us. If there is anybody out there listening who can, uh, we'll, we'll take a bung. <laughs> Right, so, Speak for uh, yourself. <laughs> hey. So, uh, there you go. Right, I'm going to get my chops around this now. <laughs> okay. Oh. So do you think this will be sufficient sustenance to get us through the uh, mm. peculiar triple bill ahead? Wow. Oh, you're, you're scrunching your face up. They're powerful. Really? Let me mm. have a... They're really sweet. The, the icing is... Hmm. Hmm. Quite satisfying though. That will be the creamy nipple on top. <laughs> Full of ectoplasmic goodness. <laughs> okay, well, help yourself. As yeah, we press help on. yourself, listeners. Okay. 
onwards, everyone. Happy Halloween, which won't be till next week by the time the show goes up, but we've got a little announcement. Sorry, I shouldn't be doing this with a mouth full of <laughs> the fiendish. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a little announcement at the end of the show, so hopefully that'll keep you listening. Pretending to Halloween, not the uh, French. Not to, not not to, to Mr. French Kimpling's <laughs> exceedingly fiendish. The fondant French fancies. Oh. When a country kidnaps you and your wife to make films for them, the results had better be pretty spectacular. Thus we have 1985's Pulgasari, which Kim Jong-il hoped would improve the world's view of the Workers' Party of Korea. Sangok Shin's tale has oppressed farmers being joined on the heroic struggle against a cruel monarch by the titular monster, a lizard bear bull creation fashioned from rice by a dying old man brought to life by his daughter's blood and maintained by a strict metals-only diet which results in astonishing growth spurts. I'm still looking at these fiendish fancies. Can't take your eyes off them. Well, they're fiendishly orange, but they're orange with little brown stripes across, so I'm thinking of tiger's testicles. Oh, no. (laughs) Which may be a delicacy. That'd be fairy, then. Very, very fiendish fancies. Anyway, people want to hear about Pulgasari. Um, It could be a delicacy in Korea. It could be, yeah. Or maybe you're forced to eat them if you don't comply. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say sorry to any North Korean listeners, but I'm sure there aren't any out there. Well, they certainly won't be getting it from iTunes. No. Monster movies. Their Mm. first proper monster movie, I think. Yeah. As a kid, like a pre-teen, I really loved the Godzilla movies because they used to be on uh, Saturday mornings, I think during the summer. And Mm. um, it was just the whole look of them. Even though I I didn't know the terms then, it would have been like the film stock and the lighting and stuff, but it looked like nothing else on TV. And I loved them. They were fantastic. I remember then they um, did a big season of them, I think in about 1990, and I was really fired up. <laughs> this is the first uh, sort of disappointment <laughs> uh, in terms of nostalgia, yeah. and they really, they didn't really hold up at all. And I suppose, I suppose at 18 you've got that slightly ironic sense of humour mm. as well, haven't you? But um, I was very curious to see what a North Korean monster movie was like, and yeah. this is very much in that Godzilla tradition, uh, Pulgasar is a man in a rubber suit which I'm not belittling. I think that's um, it's a good good method of doing it. Certainly yeah. better than a CGI. What was Godzilla in the remake, the Emmerich? That was all CGI, wasn't it? I think. Oh, yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. There's no model work going on. No, no. Although I hear, who's the guy who did Monsters a couple of years back? Gareth Edwards. He's doing the new version, isn't Apparently, he? Apparently, yeah. Which will be a man in a suit, I hear. Really? According to the internet, which never lets me down. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Uh, quite a brave move, then. Yeah, no, I I think that could be really good. Mm, because, no, yeah, CGI is so ten a penny. But th- I think some of the appeal with those Godzillas were they were probably churned out at such a rate that they did have some quite bizarre plots. And uh, This is going off from Pulgasari, but especially because watching them in the West, you didn't get the whole serial element of them because you'd have all of the monsters had their own series but we only ever got to see the Godzilla one so it's a bit like Time of the Apes isn't it where we yeah, get I a get, sort of I cold guess. version yeah which is like well where did all this come from because <laughs> the stuff I loved in Godzilla was Mothra um, Mothra would occasionally team up but we didn't see Mothra on his own so we didn't understand why I had these two miniature twins who spoke in unison <laughs> do you remember them? no no I think they used those in South Park as well but it was just a, oh, what's going on with this? <laughs> 
But anyway, that's by the by. Um, it might get edited out before we um, no. post this up. But yeah, Paul Gasari, um, made in 1985. Yeah, it's... And, yeah, I'm not familiar with North Korean cinema, you'll be unsurprised to hear. So I'm not sure how much of this is just um, how unfamiliar I am with the conventions of their filmmaking, or how much of it just is dreadful. <laughs> Or how much the director was being poked with a long pointed stick. <laughs> By a man in a rubber suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, you well, watched this it's, it's, this morning. I watched it just before I came here. And um, I, for some reason in my mind, I thought it was made in the 70s. But it does have that aesthetic very much if you think of stuff like Monkey or, well, even the Godzilla movies, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's really heavily dated. But I think I, I actually I wanted to like do a North Korean movie because I wanted to try and find one that exists and that's available to the West. This was the only one I could track down because I think they released it in Japan um, in '95 or something. Possibly like that. ten is, years. Is this later. right? The guy who did the effects was one of the Toho yes. regulars. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously with the backstory of uh, Shi- um, Shang- Sang Ok Shin um, being kidnapped and uh, forced to make films for uh, E by Gum <laughs> for Ron Reese, oh, Ron <laughs> <laughs> Kim Jong Il. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I just well, it's fascinating. You know, I, I don't think we'll ever see another film like this. To oh, be I definitely won't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you hate it that much? I wouldn't say hate, but I did think it was badly made. I mean, like I say, it might just be that I'm not used to how stories are told in North Korea or what's acceptable. Because, I mean, one of the most striking things before I get down to the nitty-gritty is it looks like a children's film, doesn't it? It's a, it's it a looks very like it's been simple, made by a child, yes. Yeah, but it, yeah, it does look like the sort of thing you'd see on children's TV. No, it definitely. looks like it's aimed at that audience, but then it has startling violence in it. Mm. Very early on, someone's legs are run over by a cart. That's right, yeah. Um, I was refreshing my memory on this this morning and got to the scene quite suddenly where, the you know what I'm talking about, of the guards got a woman and they're making the child watch while the guards smash her in the legs with that's bamboo stick basically what they're doing yeah. I mean, it'd be horrible if it was just the leg smashing but making the child watch and the child's crying and it seems to go on for quite a long time as yeah, well and this, this isn't the scene you want in the <laughs> summer it's not the scene you want in a rubber monster movie is it not really it's quite unexpected and, and later on I won't describe the build up to it but some of the guards in it get poached to death <laughs> it's oh God, quite yes. an unusual death but uh, through you know a series of events they end up getting poached in a river yeah um that's yeah that's certainly one of the highlights for me i mean i I'll, like i said I, I, it is almost childlike the way it's uh, written it's very much like i don't know whether it's folklore or fairy tale but it's, it has it, an air of that yeah it? it has an air of that and it also the whole film feels just a series of like quite episodic in in that their baddies are just trying to find a way to overcome uh, Pulgasari and they go through these increasingly bizarre plans and ideas yeah I guess it's like the hooded claw and Penelope Pitstop yeah. or something <laughs> it's like oh failed we'll go back again that's another thing I wanted to say about this it's got one of the few cinematic villains I can think of who tolerates failure <laughs> <laughs> usually he'd be killing people and you know the, the next schlub has to come in and knows what's at stake but there's a great scene in this when 
Uh, I was a little confused by the power structure. The person I thought was the king wasn't the king. He was kind of replaced later on by this guy in a mortarboard with yes. some, um, like a beaded curtain <laughs> hanging <laughs> over the front. He looked good, you know, mm. there's some good clothes designs in this. But I th he came up with a line like, is this, you know, the best that the king's troops can do? And all as, as a man, they yeah. all go, we are ashamed, <laughs> which suggests they've been trained to say this. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, um, it's an eventuality that they were prepared for, having to say, we are ashamed. And then he says, this is what we're going to do instead. And as a man, they go, we understand. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they just go off and they, they come up with plan after plan that screws up. Mm. And reminds me of another violent scene I'd forgotten about. Um, one of the plans is them to just, uh, you know, this is a great, they should do this in Star Wars at some point, have a blockade that stops people getting hold of food, the, the, the locals. Um and, you know, they, they, yeah, that's a good that's a good plan. And what does it cut to? The peasants chowing down on a horse's head. Oh wow, yeah. Um, not just like you, it was nice the scene open dead. with the horse's head. The horse's head, head and just then slaps onto the ground as if and we've then got to that taking point. It apart, they're they? ripping it to pieces <laughs> and eating it with their bare hands. And yeah, this is a story about this charming-looking creature, <laughs> Pulgasari, like we say, fashioned from rice by a dying farmer, and. Um, he spends the the start of the movie. He's quite a cute character, isn't he? He looks um, he's a bit like um, Mogwai-ish about or him. Wayne Rooney like. He's <laughs> he's just this little chubby fella. Um, I mean, going back to the Godzilla. So I remember one was son of Godzilla. He looked like a little potato, and he, that seems to be That's what he's him, about to yeah. begin with. And I was thinking maybe I was thinking this might be such a cheap movie that he wasn't actually going to be stomping on model villages or anything. Right. He was just going to stay as this kind of three foot. Um, <laughs> lizard teddy bear character but yeah, yeah he eats a lot of metal not to sustain himself but just to give him Popeye um, Popeye and spinach kind of uh, powers he just gets bigger and bigger and grows horns at one point and there's a lovely scene when he's actually leading the peasants I thought that was the scene I really liked was that sort of back projected stuff no, I mean that's uh, almost immediately after. But yeah. the scene when he's like man-sized and he's just oh, at right. the front yeah. of oh, them, yeah. and it is like going to battle with a with a grizzly bear. Yeah. In front of you. Oh, <laughs> that's good. I like that yeah. idea. <laughs> They've tamed the beast because you're <laughs> never sure how um, how intelligent he is. No, whether he's just working on gut instinct. You know. Because they, they kind of chat to him quite informally, don't well, they? Well, he gets ordered about a bit later. Mm. And I think part of the myth, like you say, I think this could be based on folklore because he's very much like the golem, isn't he, in mm -hmm. Yiddish? Yeah. Uh, culture. I'd imagine I don't know that much about the I only know it from the couple of film versions. Mm. Um, but yeah, part of the deal there is he has to obey the woman whose blood brought him to life, uh, which gets used against him at one point. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the the main thing to say with this is it, I did find it am amusing how it was clearly propaganda because it is the peasants' army rising up against the, the tyrannical king. Although that takes a while to establish. I was quite confused by what was happening in the first yeah, 20 minutes or so. Why it sort of establishes itself as like this chap, um, he's the head of the bandits, but you don't know who they're against. Smoky. <laughs> and then, yeah, you, you get the governor's guards coming in and removing all the tools. And yeah, so, you know, there's, yeah, there's like an obvious rift going on, but you're not quite sure why. What's the point of it? I don't, is that ever clear? What's the point of not it? Not for me. Really? They needed an opening crawl like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Going on about trade blockades and whatnot. Yeah. And I, I did wonder, yeah, obviously it is a propaganda movie, but I wonder if Kim Jong il saw himself as. as Cigari. There is a resemblance. <laughs> if you have that little Nehru jacket, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, when he gets to something as obvious as uh, Pulgasari eats the weapons of the people oppressing them, but mm. they, you know, it gets to a point when he needs to eat their um, rakes and um, whatever. I mm. can't think of the other farmyard tools they have. Hose? Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to Space is the Place a bit. Because <laughs> um, it does have, we won't spoil the ending, but it does have this peculiar kind of climax. Because as I was getting through, I was thinking he gets bigger and bigger. Surely this is going to be a problem at some point if mm. he needs more metal to sustain him. And I'm not sure if there was a kind of a, a peculiar metaphor going on there as well about something, uh, something being useful for a certain amount of time and then you have to get rid of it. <laughs> And also, ultimately, it's human sacrifice that will save the yeah. people. <laughs> I hope this isn't ruining the end for you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the main thing is, I just found it bewildering to follow. I think that was a good point you made about it being episodic. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It just seems to be a bunch of, almost like a Roadrunner yeah. cartoon. Although nothing, nothing like as entertaining. <laughs> it did seem very slapdash. Um, I mean, this is it. The thing that really did impress me was how good the model work was. Not yeah. the not this monster suit so much. It's kind of a nice design, but when he's smashing into buildings and things, that's But if they did have that guy who was from yeah. Toho, then that makes sense. Um, yeah, but then it's let down by things like, um, again, because this was an English language version we were watching, I'm not sure if it had been re-edited. It, mm. The title sequence saw it forever. There was like a still of Pulgasari yeah. Prime with all these credits going over. <laughs> thinking, he's kind of spoiling it a little Yeah. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm not sure if the version we watched had been re-edited slightly. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, possibly. I know that they tried to they tried to flood the West with it. Apparently, shortly after it um, was released, yeah. North Korea, um, and it just failed miserably. And then it didn't get released for ten years. Hence, and then in Japan, and when when the effects became, must have looked quite dated. Yeah, <laughs> and certainly the music did. Um, that's oh, that I was liked the music. I hated the music. This I was it sounded so tinny. And um, yeah. again, going through it this morning, it's tubular bells like in some points. Oh, it's nothing like as good as tubular. It's bells. not as good, but there's definitely there's some kind of influence going. It through. really sounds like that classic eighties soundtrack where it's a guy in his bedroom on a synth. I can't um, get enough of that. <laughs> and. Um, and those comical scenes with Paul Gasari when he's a youngster, I suppose, <laughs> small. There's this kind of really synth harmonica over it, which just ugh, turned oh. my stomach. <laughs> but I think because what else? Um, what you would hope with a film like this is that the fight sequences will be quite exciting. They were pretty dull, and I think that was to do with the editing and the um, and the music. It mm. really just drained the life off them. Yeah, I mean, they, or they, they certainly didn't serve it, and you know, give it an injection of oomph. They look quite 60s TV style, um, like if you're watching a, an epic battle, as it were, from a, a TV movie or something, mm. where it's just lots of people wondering if they're going to be on vying for camera space kind of right. thing. It's like, oh. um, but yeah, I mean, that, like I said, the points I really liked, I, I, I really loved the uh, music. I know you didn't at all, but... Hated it. Yeah, it just really appeals to me, that kind of, um, yeah, bedroom, some guy in a bedroom <laughs> knocking it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and okay. the music. Yes. Um, and, yeah, also, I thought he was a great little character. I just like this really rapid development of him. Um, at one point when he was really small and mini school, I thought mm. he was going to be wearing a nappy. He was going to come out, you know, like that TV show Dinosaurs? Do you remember that? Um, all I know of that is on crack.com I think it's listed as one of the most miserable endings to a TV show yeah I think I've read that as well yeah, not as good as Alf Alf's <laughs> was accidental but it is a great <laughs> last you know, last scene in a series 
and and just the mere fact that we've managed to watch a film from North Korea is um, it, it holds it in some regard for me um, because I've really tried hard to find some of the, his other ones, but they're mm. just impossible to Which get. Which is hold it? Of. The reason he was allegedly kidnapped? Can we say allegedly, or was he definitely? I don't think it, there's no confirmation. I don't know. There? I saw a suspicious car outside. Uh, <laughs> he was today. kidnapped in Hong Kong, wasn't he? Uh, I think so. His yeah. wife was kidnapped there. Yeah. He went to investigate, then he was taken. But this is just that um, he did have a, uh, a, a quite a career ahead of it, um, with a C, right? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he had quite a career as a film director, a producer uh, before him. Mm. You know? um, but I've not heard of any of his films. No, but yeah, which, which is our know. ignorance rather than. Possibly, yeah. But he did, just before he died, he did have plans to make Genghis Khan the musical. Wow! I would love to have. Uh, I'd love to have seen. Well, actually, that. I did look. What the other? Th- the, you did some films in the West towards the end, and they were like in ninja America, ones, weren't they? Yeah, ninja. Amer- ninja was it American ninja? Three ninjas. The three ninjas. Yeah, yeah he did three. Three ninja the movies. Three, it's nine ninjas in total. As um, Simon Sheen was his name then. Not Sangokation. Not Simon Sharma. <laughs> no, Sangokation. I said Sangokation, I meant Sangokation. It's a minefield. <laughs> Jim is just getting sorry. I'm he's wolfing down another fiendish fancy. It's <laughs> Halloween, the most fiendish time of the year. It is. It is. I don't know. Do you, are you a big Halloween fan in general? Um, not really. I kind of like the idea of it, but certainly I don't open the door to um, ne'er do wells. No, a lot of people on Twitter do like thirty-one days of horror movies. You know, they watch as many as they can. For oh, the that's that's October. okay. Yeah. yeah, I've never heard of it until I went on Twitter, and it seems to be quite. A popular the thing, thing is, we tend to spend a lot of time watching horror films, anyway. Yeah. So, um, but no, I know, I know there's people who um, it's it's a it's a great time to um, watch horror films. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but on with the A to Z of movies through midnight video. We're still we're still doing it somehow. Yeah, please <laughs> keep your uh, contributions coming in. Yeah, it's slackening off a bit, but I don't know whether that's because we've not been as. On online as oh, you know what I'm blaming? What are you blaming? This this unseasonal weather. I think it's making people um, <laughs> slovenly. Yeah, come on, you got smartphones. Just sit in the parking time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that could be it. Maybe the blue the BlackBerry um, screw up has affected oh, everyone right, in the last yeah. few days. I think even I, I, iPhones have had problems as well. Yeah. Blame it on Slough. <laughs> anyway, do you want to kick off? Yeah, our, our good friend Giles, who uh, supplied us with a, l- a very long list. Well, 26 to be <laughs> precise. Um, but he's got uh, J is for Jacob's Ladder, the best film ever made, trademark. Haunting, lyrical, terrifying, surreal, provocative, and fiercely intelligent. Uh, yeah, I, I really like that film. I bought the Region 1 recently so I could have the uh, commentary, mm-hmm. which I've yet to listen to, but look forward to that. Gosh, about 20 years ago that came out, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember it in the pictures, and I mistakenly, I think I had a choice of that or A Rage in Harlem. No. I went to see that instead. Mm. Although I now like that idea with Rage in Harlem. You heard that interview with, um, oh God, what's his name? Is it Nick Powell? He was the producer. But he said one of the worst moments of his professional life was when Bill Duke was producing, uh, directing yeah. Rage in Harlem. 
and after the rushes they realised all the jokes had gone and he said to Bill Duke you know what's going on it's meant to be a comedy and Duke was no it's not <laughs> I think I know this story actually yes yeah, I've, I've read or heard this somewhere. yeah no he uh, he came up with it on the film programme the Radio 4 thing <laughs> uh, kind of a while back Contributions here from Rich Wells. Hi, Rich. J is for judo. Well, no, judex. Judex. You're going to pronounce it with a hard X? <laughs> no. Judo. 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 Like Inspector Clouseau's sidekick in the cartoons. Oh, what's he called? Judo. He's not called judo. Is he, he is. It's Kato in the films, but oh, right. Quok. But in the films, he had a little um, gendarme with a cape. Oh, it's called I ju- know. judo. Well, Georges Franju. Franju? Oh man, I'm over it. It's Franu, isn't it? Franju. Well, Georges Franju is rightly praised for his uh, 1960 masterpiece, Eyes Without a Face. It's his 1963 pulp fantasy, Judo, which I revisit more frequently, a remake of the 1916 silent movie serial. It has a captivating, vaguely surrealist vibe reminiscent of Jean Cocteau, whilst dealing with a plot that is pure comic book fluff. I have not seen it. No, I think I've seen stills from it. Yeah, I know of it. And it looks pretty interesting. I think I need to buy it. It's on yeah. my it's on my uh, Amazon wish list. Wasn't Estelle just uh, given a copy when she <laughs> moved out of <laughs> France? <laughs> when she was born. Yeah, you yeah. need these. Kissed on both cheeks and presented <laughs> with a box set of uh, <laughs> her frown. And uh, Giles's K is for King of New York. Ferrara's best film by a country mile. Bold, brash, bloody and bleak with a brilliant sporting cast. David Caruso, Steve Buscemi, Larry Fishburne, Giancarlo Esposito, Wesley Snipes and Victor Argo. I gave you my you copy, didn't me, I? Yeah, because yeah, I reviewed it for Film 4 a while back. Was it in a metal box? It was, Steel Book yes, Edition. Yeah, but I know it had... Um, um, Abel Ferreira did a commentary for it, didn't he? Yeah, I haven't listened to that still. God, this is about four years ago. <laughs> well, you know, I don't get round to these things. Uh, I always plan to. Yeah, well, yeah I prefer Manana, making plans Manana. to execute Ah, <laughs> uh, More impronounceable names from Rich Wells. Kate is for Costa Rica and Karismaki, two directors I've had the pleasure of discovering this year. Probably opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of humour, I find them both equally hilarious. Costa Rica for the joie de vivre slapstick overload of black cat white cat and charismaki for the droll as fuck farce again I can't imagine Rich saying that <laughs> the droll as fuck farce of Ariel while I've been let down by some of Cara's sorry Costa Rica's later work I've enjoyed every charismaki film I've seen and look forward to seeking out the rest of his filmography uh, you ever seen any Aki Karismaki? Yeah, I've got I've got quite a few of his. Uh, Leningrad Cowboys, obviously, Go America, is a yeah. famous one. Which, yeah, I think I was saying um, the other week. Uh, there's a Jonathan Ross interview with Karismaki from about 1990, which mm. is, I think, all up on YouTube. Yeah, um, I seem to remember him coming up with a quite a miserable persona, as if he was <laughs> ready to not kill himself, but just couldn't be bothered. And it's weird because this week I heard um, what was it? I think it was. Radio Three Nightwaves. Their 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 whole podcast this week was um, what it had been two weeks ago was an interview with Lars von Trier for Melan- Melancholia, mm. where he was pretty much doing the same thing, <laughs> trying to make out that he was mentally ill and yeah. you know, couldn't see the point in doing anything. Well, it is funny. I like I like it when people do that. Have you seen Melancholia? Yet? No, no, I haven't. No, um, I'll get round to it. But I just wanted yeah, to chip in there because you yep. mentioned. Um, 
about that being up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of our listeners is responsible for all these amazing clips really? that you're seeing. Yeah, Paul uh, Paul K, who um, I've been in touch with a bit. He's on Twitter and he, oh, great! He's been on the listeners. So. It's, it's Paul who posted up all the Jonathan Ross. Yeah, he's done most of that. Wow, fantastic! Um, if you link to his name, he, he yeah. used to have loads more on, but apparently he ran into a bit of trouble because. Mm. There's some tits and arse, and like a lot of people got up in arms about it in the states. I think so. Um, maybe it was the people complaining to YouTube about it. So. What in terms of there was some saucy material? Yes, yeah. Well, don't, don't just put up a thing saying. Well, yeah. You need to sign up. But I think he had a hard time with it. Oh well, well no, that's fantastic. Yeah, wow, so the circle of life. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, uh, last one. L is well, last one for me. L is for the last embrace, the finest Hitchcock ripoff De Palma ever made. One of Jonathan Demme's early cineliterate romps with a fabulous Roy Scheider as the ex-CIA foil trying to find out why his wife was assassinated. Um, not a fan of Demme, but Roy Scheider, obviously. Scheider. I will check that out. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, Rich Wells. L is for Lynch because without cheese. There wouldn't be an inland empire, and then I've got in brackets. Yeah, I ran out of thought at the end there. <laughs> um, interestingly, um, I borrowed off you the later David Lynch stuff recently after we did the Wild at Heart commentary. Um, Lost Highway, I, I kind of liked. There's some good ideas in there, but I hate the. Um, it's even a phrase I don't like, so I'm not going to blame David Lynch for it. But neo noir, I just don't like all that. I like that whole uh, style of Union City, wasn't that? Yeah. One? But yeah, I kind of like the idea, but um, I, like I won't go on about it too much. Mulholland Drive, which we did discuss last time yeah. we met. I'm amazed people think that the beginning's a dream and the end's the reality, because mm. there's clearly something else going on there. I'm not saying I've got the, the yeah, right answer. You've got it down pat now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I've got the right theory, but there's clearly, it's, not, it's much something else. It's mm. much more peculiar than that, isn't it? Which but I think I is to do with the, when every time the blue box is opened things turn around yeah but you know when enough people write about it on the internet it becomes truth well the weird thing with this the, the thing on the internet I think there were um, they'd rounded up film critics from the year it came out you know at, mm. at the time and they all they were all going yeah yeah it's a dream you know <laughs> but you know <laughs> I've, I've not heard too many country voices <laughs> uh, no uh, I'm trying to think because when I I did my uh, dissertation on um on like the sound of music that he uses in his films not on the sound of music <laughs> no um, but no one had really written it but Mulholland Drive came out mm. just as I was finishing my degree or, um, or just a year before so there wasn't much uh, writing about it but yeah I, I wouldn't mind having a look through uh, yeah some some contemporary views on it uh, Inland Empire I got halfway in <laughs> which is an hour and a half I think I've given it a fair crack of the whip <laughs> nah I, no, I couldn't be doing that. with it no Really well, we can have a chat about that at some point. He has like there's a there's a jump scare in well, it's not actually a purposeful jump scare, but there's a scene that scared the absolute wits out of everyone at the Rio cinema. It was brilliant. It was really effective. Um, the Rio's great as well. I've actually, I've got. I'm pretty sure that Dan from Mondo, or maybe it was Ben, went to watch it at the Rio as well, and um, because it's got the old-fashioned sort of red curtains and stuff, mm. and it's very dark. Um, old style cinema, you know, it really lent to the uh, atmosphere. Lynchian atmosphere. Well, I'll be in Paris in a few weeks. Apparently, it is in the area of town where Club Silencio is. So, um, 
although apparently it might be a bit out of our league. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> if it's expensive to get in. I bet it is. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Mm. Yeah, no, I've um, So, yeah, please keep your stuff coming in for the A to Z. Uh, where are we going to go up to? We've still got a few. Up to M. L, M. That's only one more. M, N. Up to M, N. Or whatever you want to bring in. Yeah, just. Bring to the table. Right, right, whatever you want. But on that subject, um, Facebook have been given a static. Yeah. The, the discussion the threads, what's going on there? Are they closing they just said down? It's Why to help that? your pages more, to create more uh, discussion on on the, on the, uh, on the page. Uh, is more is better suited to the users. I th- it's just something that I don't understand. Um, this is argle bargle. <laughs> yeah, sorgy bargy. Yeah, but um, well, you can either email us. Well, we'll give the details at the end. Well, we might as well give it now. Actually, hotmail. Sorry, midnight video, video at hotmail dot co dot uk. Yep. Or a good chum. Nick Sauer, as I now know, the name is pronounced, has set up something for us with Yahoo, which, you know, many thanks for that, Nick. Um, we appreciate that. We've not had checked, um, time to really check it out yet, so we're going to do that, and we, we, there's a good possibility we might use that. Cause I think that's more in line with um, how the discussions boards have worked on um, Facebook, which mm. is, it's, I think it's good. The, the, the way they did it on Facebook worked absolutely fine. I'm not yeah. sure why they're causing problems now. No, I don't know. Maybe it's... it's Spreading the page too thin for them, they want to like really target their adverts more or something like that. <laughs> It'll come down to that. <laughs> so anyway, yes, uh, thanks for those, and uh, there'll be more next time. A friend of mine in the air force used to carry a lock of his wife's hair under his flying helmet for good luck. Did it work? No, he was killed. Best known as the outrageously wardrobe detective novelist Jason King, Peter Wingard is on extremely sober form in 1960's Night of the Eagle, aka Burn Witch Burn starring as Norman Taylor, a psychology professor whose rise through the academic ranks is suspiciously meteoric. Did his wife, Janet Blair's dabblings in black magic, have anything to do with it? Taylor doesn't think so for a minute, and proves his disregard for such ludicrous flapdoodle by rashly burning all of her mystical trinkets. Not a wise move, Professor Taylor. Peter Wingard. Yes? He was the lover of Alan Bates for a long time, apparently. Wow. I didn't know that. I know he did have a bit of a fall from grace, didn't he? Because uh, I'm sure people will know Jason King, even if you're too young. Or He's iconic. <laughs> that's one way of describing him. Yeah, even if you're too young, or I'm not sure if he travelled internationally, what the series. But yeah, this is really the epitome of outrageous sort of 70s adventure. Uh, Jason King with his um, Zapata moustache and just outrageous clothes, uh, solving crimes in a very flamboyant and... Uh, he wasn't that far removed from a pimp daddy, I thought. Uh, Certainly the way he dressed, yeah. but this is the odd thing. He's um, given, I think he was voted like the sexiest man or the best dressed man or something. He was so, so clearly as, as gay as a daisy. <laughs> but I think Wingard himself did, there was a scandal, wasn't there? I'm not sure if he was um, caught cottaging or something. But oh, his right, career yeah. went into decline. And mm. so uh, for people my age, he's probably better known as um, Clytus in Flash Gordon yeah uh, and I think Mike Hodges who directed that did was kind of mates with him and wanted to help him out and get back on his feet although it's telling that he's <laughs> he put, he's, put him in a mask a he's behind mask. a gold mask but his voice is great isn't it super in, uh, yeah an obscure body in the SK system <laughs> um, but yeah um, I had 
wanted to see this for a long time. I'm amazed it's taken me this long to get round to it because um, as a kid in the pre-YouTube age, I had several large format hardback books called, they were always called horror movies or horror films, you know, and mm. I think more than one of them was by Alan Frank, who's still around, I think, as a film critic, which will give you a big history of horror movies. But this I remember reading about, and it sounded terrifying. It's one of those things where the, because again, it's like a pre-YouTube age, but also pre-video, I suppose, even. It's about 83, so this probably wasn't something you could walk into Smith's and buy. It would probably not have been released on VHS at that no. point. Um, because 83 was before the sell-through market even mm. um, so he was probably going from his remembrance of watching that film 20 years earlier but the way um, he described it and there was a still which I think we can describe it's Wingard just looking terrified and like I say he's a psychology professor and on a blackboard he's got the phrase I do not believe but his back is, a, is over the word not so it's kind of and I don't want to... I think I probably will describe the ending I thought it did have mm. when we've actually discussed what the film is about. Right. But I was kind of disappointed it didn't have this ending <laughs> that I imagined it had when I was about 12 or 13. But, um, yeah, how did you find this? Yeah, um, interesting. I just watched it completely cold. No idea. Never heard of it, even. Um, I don't think I've... Apart from Flash Gordon, I've never seen Wingard in a film before. Um... I really enjoyed it. In some ways, it was because I didn't know what it was about. I I couldn't see where it was going and why it was called Night of the Eagle. Apart from these, you have these shots of it set in a school mainly, yeah. or a, it's a, a college sixth form or something. I think it's a university, is it? Oh, okay, and um, it, you know it's an old um, scholastic building, or whatever, and you have this huge stone eagle at perched atop the uh, entrance and you know every so often you get a shot to this eagle and uh, I kept thinking oh, but it's just a stone eagle <laughs> what, 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 what's that going to do and yeah well things uh, things happen throughout uh, I think you mentioned in the introduction that he's extremely successful in his uh, role uh, he's looking for uh, well he's not looking for but he's likely to get promoted mm -hmm. But this is causing some uh, unrest yeah. amongst the other teachers and wives of teachers, because you know it's that era where the wives were as embroiled in the lives of the yeah that is husbands. that is something it does very well, which is create that campus feel. Because yeah. I'm quite a fan of them. Um, you got the campus novel things like David Lodge, I think um, Kingsley Amis as well. Um, I was going to say Tom Sharp. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. definitely Porterhouse Blue. But all mm. that stuff of the sort of political stuff that's going on in the background, yeah. I'm always fairly fascinated. And usually it's used as a way of a microcosm for how Britain is at the time. Mm. Just the fact that it's always a very old-fashioned institute. I mean, the famous one is If, but it's not quite the same. No. It's not doing the same sort of thing. But the idea of an old institute that has its own regulations and ways of doing things. Mm. But you didn't know this was a, a supernatural kind of... Not really. I mean, the, uh, obviously, you pick up on it quite yeah. soon. I, I mean, it opens with uh, Wingard as Norman Taylor uh, teaching Which is a dreadful this name, sociological. Isn't it? That was lesson. yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because he's a psychology professor. But it's one of those things when, for the sake of the film, he comes up with his whole. You get an idea of his character immediately because yeah. he's saying he has this thing. I do not believe, and he circles the world the word don't and he's going on about superstitious primitive people and how man always sort of succumbs to these things and you should get away from it and it's a backward looking thing 
and it's one of those things where given I think this is a university you're sitting there thinking man I wish I did a course this easy at college <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you just listen to that you don't say you know? <laughs> really is that what superstition is there so it does seem um, th- there's that I mean I, I did enjoy this it's Sydney Hares who I think may have done some Avengers episodes certainly did the A-Team apparently oh some god well episodes. so did David Hemmings at one yeah. point <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Julian Wintle was a producer I th- I'm pretty sure was the Avengers TV mm. show but the screenplay here was by uh, Richard Matheson who's very yeah. well known uh, I Am Legend Twilight Zone um, yeah Charles Beaumont and the two of them were Twilight Zone regulars although um, I think the idea was Beaumont's Twilight Zones were slightly more gothic mm-hmm. uh, and Matheson's was slightly more fantastical so it's kind of nice to see you them get this working meeting, together you? yeah yeah um, I was watching this and thinking, yeah, this is kind of a bit of a gem, isn't it? Uh, uh, stuff I've read about it compares it with Val Luton in that it's it's a supernatural film, but very low-key. It's not trying to beat you over the head with, with anything. Things are done with subtlety. What then happened, though, was at around the 50-minute mark, I think, which I'll tell you is the scene with the car chase. Yes, yeah. Um... I started looking at my watch a bit thinking I think the problem here is this did feel like a, the, there's a reason I mentioned the Avengers connection with it is that it felt much it, and I guess Twilight Zone as well which worked best when it was in 25 minute chunks this feels like something that would have worked very well as an hour long TV anthology episode mm. but from the beginning especially with that clumsy opening saying pretty much <laughs> nailing his colours to the mast and saying superstitions a load of mumbo jumbo then when it turns out his wife is into this stuff and has was a petrified spider or something I seem to recall yeah, she had a little white box pendants in his uh, underpants drawer yeah it's like the suicide bomber <laughs> it's, um, you know where it's going from there I don't believe and it, you know by by the time this has gone on he's going to be forced to confront whether he you know his, his view of the world is something else if he's not going to confront it it's going to be like pretty obvious yeah so when it takes till 50 minutes before, and even then, is um, it was just that was kind of the halfway point. Actually, it's a bit more than that. But um, mm. there's a feeling that, oh, we've still got another 30, 40 minutes to get through. And yeah. we know where it's going. Yeah, well, I, I, can, I can see what you mean, but I was curious as to how, how they were going to round it all off because I was still waiting for this bloody eagle by that point because they'd gone away. Um, the wife... His wife had gone to the country cottage. She there is a feels responsible yeah. and for what's happening to him uh, because she's kind of kept stuff hidden from him, yeah. obviously. And um, and yeah, and then yeah, you have this rapid descent of his uh, testing his um, worldview, worldview, or even testing his metal because he's getting through all the Pulgasari. Pulgasari could have yeah. eaten it for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's going through all sorts of terrible situations all of a sudden. Yeah. And um, I think he acts really well. Wingard does a really good job of going from um, this very uh, ease, mild, mild, not. He's not mild mannered as such. Mm. I mean, he, he there has been a few situations where he's um, he keeps his cool though, and his yeah. Because yeah, I think we can say this. Uh, this have you seen a serious man, the Coen Brothers? Movie. It's fairly recent. Uh, I haven't it's seen all. Of, I didn't long. really like it. So. I, I really like that, but uh, it's kind of weirdly had a link with it in that you've got this academic guy who's getting accused of all sorts of things mm. by um, there's the students and the 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 the, um, the academic body there. There's all sort of his life starts to 
not exactly crumble, but certainly there's some challenges going on. Yeah, yeah. Even Serious Man does have that peculiar opening with the sort of slightly vampirish kind of Yiddish legend going up. I think it's Black Sunday. It's one of the Mario Barbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Sunday. Um, but yeah, like you say, Wingard's Wingard comes up with a good performance here, and he keeps his cool during all of that stuff. But he's not really a likable character. I think we're meant to be identifying with him as the rational man, mm. but he just seems. Um, very arrogant. I mean, there's there's a weird scene which I know it's there for plot purposes, but um, when he's uh, he's ordered a lecture he did in Manchester, I think, which was recorded on sort of reel to reel and got sent to the house. And you just think, what an ass! Because <laughs> yeah, he wants it for his wife. You like this? You'll you'll like this. You should listen to this. You think, Man, <laughs> I think you deserve to face the night of the eagle. <laughs> But he's full of that kind of stuff, and he's he's very sure of himself. There's a kind of a sleazy scene early on when one of his students clearly is taking a shine to him, female student, and he's, um, you know, what are you going to do this weekend? She says, I'm going to read chapter seven, like you asked. She said, it's it's not a very long chapter. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There wasn't much to like about him. It was almost like I was looking forward to him getting his not comeuppance, but you know, having his uh, having his cozy world shaken. Mm. Yeah, I guess I, I, I kind of liked him. I don't know. I I, I just took him as uh, he's one silky of those. Shirt. Yeah, he, he's just one of those um, sort of teachers archetypes from that that period. I guess you know. But I mean, this is going to. Um, it's kind of inevitable. You're going to compare this to Night of the Demon, mm. another British yeah. horror movie with a similar theme. In fact, even there's a scene early on in this when Wingard burns the artifacts his wife has, and one of them's a picture of himself. Mm-hmm. Which was very reminiscent of Night of the Demon. I'm assuming you're pretty familiar with that. I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't. This doesn't really um, compare to it. I don't think that does such a good job of taking the rational person who then realizes they're out of the depth. Mm. Whereas this, I don't think handled it anything like as well. No, it, it was it wasn't even uh, um, that that change that happens at I don't know what you said forty yeah. minute mark or whatever. It does become a sort of film of two halves by that point because then it's it's he's got this sort of um, this quest that he has to fulfil. So the, the, it's like they push that character out of the window. Then it's like, oh well, he's just like this now. Yeah, and because there you is know, there's a point where he tries to cast a spell. Yeah, and it's like, exactly. where's he got that from? There's where, a specific scene <laughs> when he does something sort of shamanistic, mm. and this should be a major point in the film that he's actually gone. I'm going to try this. I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but I'm going to try this because this is the only way I can prevent this thing from happening. Mm-hmm. This should be a really powerful moment because he's completely turned his back on everything. But it's not done with any power to it. You know, no. There's no there's no real power to it. No. But saying that, though, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the last 10 minutes, though, when when what I really yeah. wanted to see... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there is an eagle in it. There is, and it's very well done. Yeah, brilliantly, it's brilliantly done. done. Um, Especially because we've seen it done badly many times. That kind of it gave effect. me the creeps. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a large, um, oversized eagle chasing him through the school. Yeah, basically. But um, you get very sparing shots of it. So very it really sparing. gives you the impression without lingering on it. Yeah, you get a lot of sort of shadows and mm. um, like the editing is quite rapid mm. and you know it's just those like little those few frames that yeah. really get your mind going mm. and you, you're making up the rest of it yeah. almost. Yeah. 
because I will tell you what I thought the ending was based on this book oh, right, I read, yeah. and you can cut this out if you think it's given the <laughs> ending way. Because this obviously this isn't the ending. This is what I thought it was though. The way I remember it being described in the book, and like I said, it had the still of him against the blackboard um, with I do not believe written on it. And in this book, I remember it saying at the end, his you know his mind's cracking, and he um, is being he knows he's going to be visited by the forces of darkness. And Viker, he backs into the board and rubs the word not off with the back of his jacket. So it's, I do believe. And at that point, I remember it saying, he, he, he hears the sound of hooves approaching the door. And I thought that was the end of the film at that point. <laughs> now, there aren't any hooves in this. No, no. Like I say, I can appreciate the guy writing this had probably not seen it for 20 years and had maybe a false memory of it. But that's why it sounded so terrifying. I thought, man, that's going to be the scariest ending ever. Is it just <laughs> ends with him knowing he's about to face the devil. Yes. Much. And it's not that at all, is it? That's kind of in there, but it's the rubbing the word off is done with some subtlety, isn't it? I thought that was brilliantly done because I didn't notice it until... Well, I didn't notice he'd gone into his classroom again and then he obviously does it. He rubs the word off mm. and then later, about, I don't know, it's two minutes, minutes later, later, you sort of notice it. It's like, oh, yeah. where's what he wrote? And, yeah. oh, my God, it's got... Because I even, yeah. like, wrote it down yes. there. And um, I thought that was wow. Well, that's brilliant. Is that is that is the fact that he's done that in some way linked to yeah what's his his worldview? But yeah. um, no, but I mean, is, is it like a trigger almost? Is yeah. that like a sort of yeah. uh, not a sigil, but yeah. you know, the fact yeah, yeah. that he's managed to. But yeah, that's curious because I'm I'm now I'm now in that position where I'm annoyed it's not the film <laughs> I thought it was for the last <laughs> sort of nearly thirty years. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the ending is what it is, which kind of rounds things off, okay, but it's a bit. Yeah, it's just tying it up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is well worth checking out, and you can watch it for free on YouTube. It's all in one chunk. Mm. Um, yeah, there's lots to recommend about it. My main beef is it feels too much like a TV show that's been extended, an episode of a TV show that's been extended. But it is there's plenty to recommend about it. Yeah, I, I I forgot to mention, but I love the opening titles with the the sort of eye next to the oh, titles. Yeah. It really reminded it was very like a giallo sort of uh, yeah, which uh, which just looks spooky to begin with, but it has got a relevance yes, later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I I agree. I I I think I enjoyed it a bit more than you because I didn't know anything about mm. it, so it was a, it was a good first time. Yeah. Well, it's always good going to a film with no expectation. You phoned me on Saturday night, didn't you? It's a lie. You made a disgusting proposition. So, Phil, I've been looking around a bit on Twitter this week, mm. and I noticed that you um, have been not coming to punches, but there was some uh, pronounced disagreements over the movie Drive, oh, Ryan yeah. Gosling, which is in cinemas at the moment. Mm. Including one where you said, My mate Jim's going to watch it tonight. I know I just know he's gonna hate it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's I do remember I forget when I write at midnight video and that uh, I can you read could it. probably read it. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I'll be in presumptuous, but I think well, I might have been uh, So has there been a kind of a split on this or is it you and a couple of people? I, th I think it, the I think general consensus is that people most people like it but there's um some people i don't think they're being contrary but they're, they're not as in awed by it as uh, myself and a few others yeah i, I think it has had some very good reviews but mm. i know pete bradshaw's in the guardian was a bit oh there's a bit of a loving on this and you know yeah. couldn't quite see what the what the point was i did go to see it 
at Peckham Premier Tuesday where it's really? five pounds all the time with um, me and Steve. Oh, cool. Um, I liked it. I was in. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very slickly made. I mean, I'm not going to do a full review now because we've got <laughs> stuff to get on with. Um, but uh, it was slick, really well made, enjoyable. Um, although I was aware as I was watching it, I probably wouldn't be that interested in watching it again. It was almost like it was enjoyable for that. <laughs> it was too. It was like a rich dessert. Yes. Yeah. Steve hated it. Ooh. He came out of this. He didn't say anything to me. He just demanded the manager of the cinema and punched him in the throat. <laughs> And just walked off into the night. No, Steve. That's how he rolls. Steve. Um, <laughs> Steve wasn't impressed with it. He wasn't that bad, obviously. But it was kind of like I agreed with him, and it was a concern I had. I have a big deal with films where they're criminals in a criminal world, but we're meant to be siding with them for mm. no other reason than the actor's good looking <laughs> or the camera's on them. You know. Whereas yeah. ultimately, he's got kind of the same ethics as anyone else. There, they mm. do try and make him in this. They try and give him a moral code, but ultimately, he doesn't really ask who he's working for or anything, does he? No, 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 no. Um, um, but that's what I found really fascinating. For me, he was totally like a Ronin character, or the lone gunman in a mm. western, or the knight from the shiv. You know, the um, Baron Knight. The old old times <laughs> from the Mon- uh, the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. All right. <laughs> um, no, yeah. No, I've, I mean, I. I'm, I mean, I did enjoy it, and like I say, very slick. We try uh, trying to really echo the eighties. I'm not yeah. going to kind of say specifically Michael Mann because I think there are a few other influences in there. Oh, undoubtedly. But it was almost like the reason they'd cast Albert Brooks, who's not the most obvious guy to cast as a villain, was because mm. he looks quite a lot like Michael Mann these days. <laughs> 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 they couldn't get Michael Mann to play Albert Brooks. Yeah. Um, no, worth worth checking out. I think. Oh yeah, and yeah. That, I mean, I, I'll just sing its praises all day long really and the album as well the sound yeah I, I enjoyed the soundtrack probably most yeah. of all there it's fantastic it's so well done I mean if if you know about my blog that I write um, I, I wrote a big Christ thing kid you're it. a weirdo that's the one dot com <laughs> but yeah no, I'm really glad I, I just <laughs> I just presumed that you'd hated it <laughs> what, what do you know about my opinions I on know. films yeah. No, I mean, just on that subject, I, I did also see the other week Tinker Taylor. I think I mentioned that briefly last time. Something I forgot to mention, uh, and I'm not sure has been mentioned in general. It's known for having this, um, say in the 70s, like the book, and they've recreated that era, but they've also given it a kind of weird, yellowy, nicotineish fug to the mm. whole thing that <laughs> makes it really feel you can smell it. The yeah, it's like, like an old newspaper or something. But a weird detail with it, you know, they have the cigarette burn in the corner to show you when the reels ended, even yeah. though everything's projected digitally these days. I love the fact that rather than being done as a, that little oval they have now with a, with a print, it was kind of like a black marker pen. I got fascinated by this as I was watching it. Every time that happened, there was this streak of black in the corner, and you were waiting <laughs> another few seconds for it to come up again, and they changed the reel. I'm not sure if that was deliberate to make it look as 70s as possible, but it really right. did the trick for me. But a great movie, well worth watching. Yeah, I've not seen... Um, I probably, unfortunately, I won't get to see it at the cinema, but uh, uh, I look forward to it. You should have made that decision when you got your wife pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you should have checked if there were any Gary Oldman movies. I just got to like, really out. late showings. I just got to midnight showings and all-nighters now. Uh, that's the only time I can go. <laughs> and then suffer the consequences. We'll find a friend with one of those uh, video projectors. We'll bring them here through either isotope, teleportation, transmolecularization, 
or better still, teleport the whole planet here through music. With his eccentric persona as a galactic pharaoh and strident political views, jazz musician and band leader Sun Ra was like Malcolm X entering the Eurovision Song Contest. So the peculiar nature of his 1974 movie, Space is the Place, shouldn't be a surprise. Though happily, it is. By turns, a gritty look at urban America in the 70s, promotion for a bizarre cosmology involving an alien promised land for the chosen, and an outrageous black exploitation take of Bergman's The Seventh Seal, with Sun Ra battling an infernal challenger for the souls of the tempted. So, this is one of those odd films that we've both chosen kind of independently of each other. And I think for me, um, the reason I came across it was my long... I've been rattling on about this for a while. My belief that there were no upbeat science fiction films between Barbarella and Close Encounters. Mm. This, um, it's certainly not... Well, is it grim? No, it's not got a... (laughs) It's a weird... (laughs) It's the most colourful downbeat film and it's, well, I don't know what to say about it in terms of its tone. It's, uh... Alright, not tone. Its message is troubling. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very colourful. It's very, um, it's very of its time in sort of... (laughs) Ancient Egypt. (laughs) In that it could only be made that if... The first thing went the first twenty minutes or so into it, I was like, "This is like a Ralph Bakshi film." Got that written down. Yeah, yeah. Bakshi or the Holy Mountain, the Yodorovsky. Yeah, those were the two yeah. things that came to mind. But um, certainly Bakshi. With yeah. Bakshi, yeah, again, in the same way, we've sort of maybe a bit unfairly compared Night of the Eagle with Night of the Demon. It's mm. because we reviewed Coonskin very early on. I think about show five or something. Yeah, um, it's difficult to not because they're both things that try and take the urban black experience and do this weird uh, off its head kind of I'm not going to say druggy particularly but certainly wh- whacked down surreal kind of vision and Bakshi uh, in cartoons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll get on to that yeah. Uh, Bakshi in Coonskin and all of his cartoons was able to do that thing of pretty much doing things spontaneously could do anything he wanted to visually whereas here um it's a, it's a bit limited by film, but I kind of like the look of it a lot. It's the beginning's amazing, I think, when Sun Ra is on this alien world, and you can tell it's cheap, but it's, the design's brilliant. He's got right. this guy that looks an awful lot like one of the robots in Black Hole, in this kind of black monk's cape with a mirror, a flat mirror for a face, yeah. um, and plants which have human hands and tongues. Which um, I know you've not read Alan Moore's Miracle Man, but that's the kind of image that crops up in that you know, right. later on in it. And these things that I can only describe as snake slinkies. They're kind of these rubber <laughs> yeah. things that are floating around. And you can tell they must have been... You can't see the wire, but you know that's mm. how it must have been done. But they're quite... They, they they did send a shiver down my spine. I wouldn't want to live on a world which had things like snakes that could float around in the air. That is very much like a fantastic planet. Yeah, but I much preferred it to that. Yeah, but I mean, that sort of... Um, it's, it's kind a very of, surreal look at an a, rather than a quarry. But, it was, but you're perturbed by yeah. it as well. It's like, or even Yellow Sabrine has that sort of. Uh, yeah, that's not a comfortable world to be in. No, is it? Um, but it's. I mean, we have we have described the setup briefly in the introduction. It's quite confusing to follow it to begin with. It's a while before you settle into this idea that it's a cosmic game for souls. Yeah, that took me quite a yeah. while to clock onto. I don't know whether I was watching it. At, not too open-mindedly, but I wasn't. I, w- I didn't think I'd need to follow it because it free your so mind, strange. your ass will follow. <laughs> uh, your jazz will follow. Yeah, well, so, I think that's George Clinton. I'm mm. getting my uh, crazy brothers mixed up. 
but yeah because it goes from this alien world with Sun Ra declaring he'll bring the the brothers here uh, I'm not sure if that's his exact phrasing but it's, it's definitely black people he's, yeah um, and he's going to transport them f- through music but then we cut to this kind of um, speakeasy set up in the 40s or something 1943 Chicago yeah yeah, with the um, ebony steppers. Ebony steppers, yes. <laughs> um, it, I'm just amazed at this because it, it's visually it does look great, and it must have had some budget. But I'm not sure what the audience was or how that because I don't think Sun Ra was a huge figure, was he? He was. He's kind of an iconic figure, but I don't think it was like I oh, if you put his name on a poster, that will bring people in. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I'm sure like anyone who's into jazz music will know Sun Ra. Mm. And the thing is, when you're so into something, that, that feels like it's a universe for you. But yeah. yeah, he's probably quite an obscure figure for most people. He probably is, but just in terms of securing the financing for this film. Mm. And I'm not sure, I did have a little look into its background. I'm not sure if he came up with the idea or someone else said, will you do a film? You know, wanted to try and exploit him somehow. But um, well, it's interesting, is that because he was at the time he was teaching, I think, at uh, Berkeley University, he was mm. teaching um, black awareness or yeah. one of those kind of classes, and I, I presume we watched the same cut though. Was it the one and a half hour, yes. eighty-four minutes? Because yeah. the original is actually an hour long. We'll get on to that because oh, yeah. right, I know there's an extra that. twenty minutes there, which oh, is okay. uh, very contentious for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, a really peculiar movie, um, and I, I, I would recommend people looking at it, but um, the central problem with this is the racism in it. Yeah. Obviously, the, the setup here is, I mean, I think it explicitly states it at the start, um, Sun Ra thinks it would be great to get black people to this planet and see how they get on. It's assuming that everything will be fine because they won't be around white people who are causing problems for them. It's tricky for me to say because I've not been on the sharp end of racism. I can imagine you having that view, um, mm. but it's not—it's not a great solution to come up with for problems, is it? Just saying it's all because of well, white people are the devil, pretty much. Is what gets um, yeah kind of suggested in it. Yeah, I mean, and certainly we won't say what happens at the end, but that's a very grim kind of finale to it. Sure, yeah. Uh, I suppose he's got his rhetoric, and th- you know, this. If you say, like you said before, you don't you don't know if he was approached to do it or not. Yeah. But it's it's a it's definitely a platform to get that out there. His ideas, yeah. And I don't know. I I didn't find it particularly that worrying the mm. the racial aspects of it because yeah, it's always going to be a contentious yeah. issue regardless. And hell, you know the the history of cinema like through Mark Cousins and stuff that would be people watching. You know, you see D W Griffiths mm-hmm. with. Um, Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation, yeah. This film's a platform and it it captures, dare I say the word, you know, the zeitgeist. And this is certainly part, it was certainly part of that. I mean, you have these um, really interesting scenes where he's trying to persuade these young black kids who are like just. It's like a youth centre, isn't it? Yeah, and that was a great scene because you're given how um, stylized the rest of it is. That or you can almost believe that was for real. It was almost like he'd turned up and was these were real kids. Definitely. In fact, I was watching that scene again this morning and thinking I was looking at where the edits are and thinking, is it possible? Because there's too <laughs> much cutting to close-ups and stuff that mm. you're not sure how spontaneous their stuff is. 
But yeah, when you see this guy standing in front of you, uh, if you're a kid in the 70s or any time, <laughs> and there's a guy in front of you with a kind of space pharaoh headdress, and they specifically are very interested in his platform boots, aren't they? Yeah. And calling them moon boots, moon and saying, boots. do you need those to stay on the moon and <laughs> stuff? And he's taking it all in his stride, isn't he? And saying, I, I think. Oh, he's got people next to him with like huge uh, oh, yeah, Anubis the, and, yeah, uh, and Horus uh, heads. Like. Yeah, which look great, you know. <laughs> but these, I don't know, it's the 70s, maybe people are a little more used to that kind of um, that kind of thing. <laughs> Not that specifically, but just no. uh, that outrageousness. But yeah, I mean, what I'm saying, I wasn't offended by this, but. When you're coming to review it, you can't ignore it. It's no, certainly you know, not. B- before you wholeheartedly say this is a great, peculiar film, because it, it is it, nuts. It's uh, yeah, and, but also it does that age-old thing of um, it, it's almost like Orwellian in like animal form and something about where everyone's more equal, but some are more equal than others. But oh, we'll make an exception for you because there's like mm. a Hispanic girl who yes she's she's one of the saved on the orchestra (laughs) so you know it's it's there's something it's it's all a bit hodgepodgey and um but But there's a specific line at the end with i'm going to take the black part i'm going to trace your black ancestry and take the black parts of you with me but leave the white bit behind you think (laughs) hmm (laughs) but yes let's come to those uh those contentious 20 minutes because yeah this was originally about an hour long and apparently this was on sunra's insistence um, and the producer um, Jim Newman said this is Sunrise prudishness because the stuff cut out was all to do with um, hose. I think we should call them. Basically, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a quite an amusing scene really with oh yes because we haven't mentioned Sunrise, yeah, yeah, who is sort of the devil. He's called the overseer, although yeah. he's he's black as well in this. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't quite get away with making him uh, a honky. But I think maybe it's probably more because, you know, have a, a strong figure that yeah. at least, you know, it's a strong, it, it might be bad, but it's a strong yeah. figure. But also it's kind of a nice idea because I think it's not so much, yeah, to, to, to give him his dues, this might be Sun Ra saying not so much it's black versus white, but it's black people have to sort their own problems out. And I think the overseer, and I've forgotten the other character's name. Um, Jimmy Faye. Jimmy Faye. Yeah are meant to be representations of black people selling themselves out and yeah. becoming Uncle Toms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's kind of an interesting idea. But, yeah, throughout it you've got this... This is specifically the kind of Holy Mountain, Jodorowsky stuff. It's, it looks to be in a desert with a table and um, it's kind of an abacus thing with the souls being one. Are the tarot cards, which yeah. specifically date it in 1976 rather than four. Which I think is to do with the bicentenary, perhaps, or maybe I'm reading stuff in there. Because, yeah, the big America's bicentennial celebrations in 76 right. might have been relevant. Or, okay. like I say, I might have been reading stuff in. That's probably timeless, though, I mean, isn't it? That a, if you're making it in 1974, <laughs> to list 1976 on the card was just odd, <laughs> I thought. Because I think that might have been when Roots was on TV. And oh, right. Yeah, okay. But, like I say, I might have been seeing things that aren't there. Um,. But yeah, uh, the overseer crops up throughout as an evil, tempting figure who's sort of corrupting the. There's a pimp. He's pretty much a pimp, yeah. <laughs> but there's one specific scene when he's a, a doctor in a hospital. Um, <laughs> there's a, a, one of the, the black patients is dead in a private room, but he revives him, and the white nurse is amazed at this and is instantly, you know, turned on by him and seems happy to go from being a nurse to being a prostitute with it. Um. 
and yeah, women get very naked in this. And then yeah. there's a protracted scene later at the whorehouse with those two girls and a few others where a couple of bold white guys who are possibly from a NASA... From NASA. Yeah. NASA or the FBI is never yeah. quite made clear. Um, go Same there, thing. get kind of humiliated, and then go back and beat the women up. And I think this is all the stuff that was cut out. And I think it's right that it did, you know, because mm. it's weird to watch a movie which is so anti-racism but seems quite cool with sexism. Yeah, well, it, I did. I thought the like, the scenes of misogyny stood out like a sore thumb. The thing is, I, d- I don't have an issue with that now because I watch so many films from these periods. Tinto where, Brass is your middle name. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I've been watching a lot of Fulci recently, or uh, you know, I, the sort of mm. jolly the the Euro crime stuff. And it's all part possible, yeah. you know. It doesn't make it right, yeah. but this but felt that, very incongruous. Yeah. But in a Fulci or something, it's yeah, it's part and parcel of that whole thing. And I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. Mm. But in this, if you're making such a, isn't it awful how black people yeah. are treated? But actually, it's quite okay how this is. You know, <laughs> women. That's a different matter. You know. Yeah, because there's that. There's actually a scene where you, you, the guy who uh, is in the snooker hall talking about how he's just yeah. beating his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I found that really sickening. Yeah. I was like quite disgusted by it, and yeah. I was thinking, oh, "Am I being a bit of a pussy about this?" Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it felt to bring I would, these things up, and I does... wondered if that was something that would have been removed as well because he's one of the chosen anyway towards yeah. the end. Yeah, but I and is it the same guys who, are, when there's an advert on the radio for Sunrise album, they're saying he's a sellout. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> which is a nice scene because <laughs> this doesn't ever really feel like it's a promotion for Sun Ra as an artist, as a commercial artist. There are lots of musical interludes and I'll, you know, I've got to say I wasn't taken with the music at all. It was a bit of a... Not even uh, if you find Earth boring, just the same old same thing. You know, when he's in the yeah. office, the bureau, trying to attract people to yeah. come to his other thing. How does it that go w- again? If you find Earth boring, just the same old same thing. Um, come to space where he's incorporated. Yeah, because I I know I prefer, that I prefer a, Justin Bieber's version. <laughs> no, there's a there's a guy who did a copy of that a, a hip hop artist called Radio Inactive, which mm. I'll probably end up putting on Facebook anyway. A link to that. But I re- I always wondered <laughs> if that was something he did himself because he's quite into like the whole idea of space. But, yeah. Blah. Uh, I, I, I quite liked all the musical interludes, yeah. well, especially no. the end where it's like, there's like ten minutes. Of well, there it. is because the the <laughs> end's building up to something a bit a bit disappointingly so-so, isn't it? Mm. The end's like oh, Sunrise's going to do this big gig and he's been kidnapped and will he make it? Which is a bit. It's not a odds. gig in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, it's a bit at odds with the rest of it, which is bananas. You know, it absolutely nuts. Um, Sunrise himself, like I say, I'm not that familiar with Bill Duke. He does look a lot like him, doesn't he? And you mentioned him before, didn't you? Yeah. Before, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure if he was just a performer who did that thing which still goes on of coming up, like nowadays it would be Lady Gaga, of just coming out with an absolutely outrageous image to draw attention to himself, or whether he was mentally ill. Mm. Because, yeah, doing a, a very cursory amount of research, I'll admit. Um, he claims he had this vision in like the forties when he was whisked off to Saturn. Yeah. No, he's from Saturn, isn't he? He thinks. Yes. But he was whisked off at one point and met these aliens with antenna coming out of their eyes. I think, <laughs> and this was, you know, his his message was to um, save people with music. Um. I don't know. Uh, 
it's worth bearing in mind. But I was surprised when you told me it was a teacher at Berkeley. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether it was that. Because an odd thing again with his film is the acting's okay in it, but then the Sunra himself's pretty leaden. But it works, you know. Uh, it works that he just very flatly delivers this stuff because it kind of the whole thing's so out of kilter. <laughs> I think if you read the user comments on IMDb, there's a guy who was who worked on the second unit crew who talks about um, the scene where he's been taken hostage and he's tied up and tortured for ages well i love that because he just looks like he can't be bothered yeah (laughs) the the ropes are very slack around him he's just sitting there like he's waiting for alan titchmarsh to come on the tv or something (laughs) Uh. yeah i mean i i sort of had visions of uh you know like david ike on wogan or something like that yeah i can imagine he he must have had this kind of epiphany and now he's just riding it yeah. out. And but again, with Ike, you're never sure if he really means that or whether he's found a way of making a lot of money. And who knows? <laughs> Between Ike and King Young Il, we'll probably get kidnapped <laughs> at the end of this show. Assuming anyone listens to us, of course. But um, there's Paul, Paul Gasari's. Uh, aren't they the the Bilderberg Group for Ike? You know, oh, the, the seven foot lizards. <laughs> Beyond all care, yes. No, seven foot lizards was the first film we reviewed tonight. <laughs> all ties up elegantly. Your ignorance will be your salvation. Your ignorance will be your salvation. Okay, so we're going to do a slight change now because in the past we've been giving away the t-shirts, the Midnight Video t-shirts for people who are contributing heavily to the A to Z Midnight Video, uh, a film through Midnight Video. But thanks to our good friend Rich Wells who gets so many mentions on this show but he should do because he designed the bloody (laughs) t-shirts I recently have taken up designing little (laughs) it's quite Moorish sorry that's a Harry Hill joke Um, Uh, Mitchell and Webb I think wasn't it no Harry Hill did that when did he do it god a long long time ago we'll see I think long time ago let's see who's got the devs on that one Um, 12 years plus Oh well, now he wins it. Yeah, of course he does. It's Harry Hill. <laughs> he ripped off. Stuart Lee wrote it probably. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, quiz. I'm going to do a quiz. I do a quiz. A clips quiz. Um, it's an amazing quiz. That's all it is. <laughs> I was flummoxed by it when you sent it to me the other day. But um, I'm going to do a new one. All right. I'm not going to do that one okay, because no. I I did that. You, I sent it to you and I sent it to Rich as well. Yeah. Rich didn't get any of them. Well, I got about three out of ten. Yeah, so I'm going to do a few easy... Uh, chuck a few easy ones there, yeah. lull you into a false sense of security, <laughs> and then, bam! Hit, right hit, in the hit, kidneys. Yeah, well, or even deeper. <laughs> <laughs> deeper than the kidney. But yeah, you've basically compiled clips from some peculiar films, and it will be up to listeners to give us the title of as, as many as possible yeah identify as many uh, it'll be 10 um, and the listener who gets the most gets a, a t-shirt gets a t-shirt and if it's a tie then we'll figure something else have we got out. some ties to give away <laughs> <laughs> we should get rich to design that if you get um, um, yeah but yeah um, looking forward to reading the entries on that but even if you've no intention of entering, it's well worth checking them out because yeah, it's such. A, I think it gives you a bit of a flavour of <laughs> how our minds work. <laughs> Definitely, uh, it's and they'll be put on. I put it on YouTube, so I compile it um, as a video clip 
upload that to YouTube but uh, I'll do it as a invite only so you'll need to come to our website to get the link basically to YouTube for this specific video and um, our website is it's midnight-video.com um, yeah so just head there and you'll get the link and there'll be instructions on the video anyway you can just email us the answers but and yeah, while you're there you you'll be able to see stills from tonight's films yeah, as well. Yes. It's Halloween next week. Is <laughs> that your little Bella Lugosi? <laughs> um, and yeah, even though we've only just got used to this uh, once every two weeks format. Have we got used to it yet? <laughs> um, I'm still doing it. To We're not actually, it. <laughs> we've not quite nailed it yet. <laughs> but yeah, we thought it would be criminal to let that date um, pass by. So this show, show 22, should be up October 22nd, and there should be a show up the following weekend. There's some synchronicity there, isn't there? 22 on 22. Wow, it's like <laughs> the police album. Um, yeah, we're going to be doing a Halloween special, which should be up for the weekend of uh, the 29th. But yeah, so we are going to be doing an extra show, Halloween special, which will go up then, and we're going to be reviewing four films. <gasps> it's going to be a bumper crop, and uh, our fiendish fancies will have hardened. <laughs> the icing will have hardened on them anyway. But yeah, um, you've, you've got that to look forward to next time. So Yeah, and, and I think I'll probably, for the people who are on the um, Film Future Forecast oh yes. list, I'll treat you to uh, that a bit early, so you'll know yeah. what we're covering and hopefully we won't have to do any last minute switcheroos I'm sure yeah, we, we won't. well I've watched three of the four now and <laughs> you got I, a little I've bit seen one of them a few times okay I know which one it is gosh well yeah it'll be I'm looking forward to it it's going to yeah. be a lot of fun um, yeah so we've got a few announcements before we wrap up yeah so we mentioned previously about uh, midnight video meetup have a few beverages in London town between listeners and us. <laughs> wow, you sound like Sun Ra there. You're very <laughs> exclusive, <aren't> you? <laughs> If you find your home boring, it's just the same old same. Mm. Uh, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, so it'd be great to see some faces down there. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm afraid it's London-centric because that's where we're based. But if you're cool. in the vicinity, uh, yeah, I'd love to see you come down. We've decided it's going to be November the 12th from two o'clock two o'clock yeah, we've decided <laughs> <laughs> well waving our hands at each other in two o'clock sounds good in the chandos in the chandos which is a sam smith so it's pretty cheap you can get a pint of lager for about two under 250 yeah it's like trafalgar square basically mm. um I'll it's put right details. by the national portrait gallery yeah I'll put details up on the yeah. website. Just in case we change it all again. In case. And I'll update Twitter about it and all that palaver. Yeah, but looking forward to that. It'll be nice to see people. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, See um, people again. It was great at Fright Fest. I think we've mentioned this a few times. It um, was horrid. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that time. No, no, no. But yeah, that would be awesome. Even if just two of you come. Hopefully not me and Jim. I'll be there. <laughs> Uh, also, I'd just like to alert London folk or people in the uh, London orbital or just beyond that our good friend Josh, whose nights we've mentioned a few times, Cigarette Burns, which we got to at the Mucky Pub and he does nights at the Rio and at the Prince Charles, he's got the amazing David Cronenberg, probably the best David Cronenberg film for a lot of people, Video I, I really like it. Yeah. 
ditto. I bought my ticket this morning, so I'm definitely going. And that's on Saturday, 22nd of October, midnight showing, as it should be, um, at the Rio in Dalston, £7.50 a ticket bargain. And then on the 26th, he has his, well, Cigarette Burns have the Lacerated Lovers double bill, which is... It's all like rubber dolls. <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary's Killer and My Bloody Valentine, the original, from 8pm. And that's £7 for members, £12 for non-members. Uh, that'll be brilliant. I'm not a big slasher fan, to be honest, but bloody hell, I'm getting down there for this. Get your skates <laughs> on. I, uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D is the only 3D film that I endured and enjoyed. And I think it's... I've not seen the original, but I enjoyed it as a film, like. We should maybe have a 3D 2D at some point. A 2D 3D? Um, 2D 3D. Because uh, there were a bunch of movies in around 83-ish, weren't there? But you can watch them in 2D now. So I'm thinking, is it Parasite, the one with the oil rig? Oh, I don't know. I think that was done in 3D. Um, I mean, Jaws 3 is awful. Friday the 13th, part 3, 3D? Um, a, big, um, a big hello and good luck to Jack and Lakeisha who are I think getting married the weekend this is going out I yeah. think it's October 22nd I don't know when you're hearing this but um, congratulations and have, have a fantastic time and good luck and I'll see yeah. you soon and hopefully with all this talk of uh, Jason King and Clytus that you'll play <laughs> the Queen's uh, wedding anthem <laughs> yes Fellini <for> <laughs> and just one last quick one I want to say a big hello to all the guys at Down With Film um, it's a new film blog that I started up uh, through WordPress, so it's downwithfilm.wordpress.com. I know all these guys from Twitter, myself, um, lovely bunch, uh, really passionate about film. So yeah, check them out. And um, I think that just about rounds it up, really. It does. Um, yeah, check out our site for the competition and the film strips. But we've also got loads of supplemental material and goodies going up on the Facebook page while we still soldier on with it. Yeah, we're like, we're like an abused. I put some really good stuff on there recently, but no one, great stuff. No, no one's really looking anymore. I don't know what's going on. Can we put that Mick Jagger video up? Yeah. So oh, you've you got some likes and comments for that. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yes. uh, no, there's one I want to show you now. Actually, um, I'm I'm half tempted to make Jagger videos a semi-regular posting on there. Definitely. And it will it will build up and climax to us actually reviewing a Jagger a Jagger film. Oh, that will happen. That is a certainty. Salute to the Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, <laughs> But yes, uh, feedback via Facebook or uh, webs um, Hotmail account. Yeah, Midnight Video at hotmail.co.uk, website midnight-video.com. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking excitedly as if we've got no tape left because we're doing it digitally. <laughs> but yes, I think that's that's about everything. So yeah. um, And I'll just slip this in there because, you know, I can. <laughs> careful. I've got, <laughs> I've, I've got quite um, a passion for... 80s music and I've just started up uh, another blog um, which is called The C90 Sessions, I'll, I'll put a link up to it, but basically I'm just doing mixtapes of 80s bands and stuff that most people probably wouldn't have heard of, it's all very uh, I don't know it's kind of, I call it futuristic flashbacks because there was that thing in the 80s where they were Things trying to try to sound futuristic yeah, and, but yeah. didn't quite achieve it but and now it's they're absolutely date stamped to January 1979 yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. but if you like music and want to hear something a bit different if you like Pina Coladas yeah well or uh, <laughs> Neon if you like Neon I uh, know our friend Benazoid does on mine 
Okay, well, thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed us, and we'll see you next time for Halloween. Ciao, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny kissed me. Jenny kissed me. And it was... The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. <laughs>